Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. Is again in the book of Psalms, chapter 91. Uh, we're going to look at this chapter again and continue with a few things here. And um, then we'll f- go on to something else. There's so much in the Word of God, uh, we can never exhaust it completely. We can go through every chapter and then we can go back through it again and again and again and then never cover it all. We just continue to see more things in the Word as God reveals it, as God reveals it. So tonight in the book of Psalms 91, um, as you have turned there in your Bibles, um, I want to go back over some scriptures that we have already read. And before we do that, um, I just want to say I thank the Lord for the power of the Holy Ghost. You know, we have talked about last week um, in the scripture, Psalms 91 and 1, he that dwelleth, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust, in him well, I trust, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and, of, and from the noisome pestilence. But I want to say here tonight that uh, we talked a little bit about last week uh, about going into the, you know, the, we used the thought of going into the old tabernacle of the Old Testament. And um, uh, the Old Testament is a beautiful writing and gives us an, an understanding of the new uh, Testament, and it is so very important for us to read the Old Testament and tie it in with the New Testament uh, because it gives us more of an understanding of it all together. And the Old Testament is such a beautiful writing. Uh, it is types and shadows of what is to come. And it was, it was written in a different time frame. Uh, everything changed after Jesus came to the earth and died upon the cross everything changed before it was animal sacrificing Uh, if we had to do animal sacrificing it would be pretty tough considering in the world we're living in today and dealing with blood all the time and pouring blood over us altar uh, killing animals uh, you'd have to have a, a yard big enough to have a corral to corral your animals, your sheep, your lambs, and you couldn't just go out there and just pick any of them. You'd have to pick the one that's without blemish. I mean, you you would you, when you really think about that, you'd probably stop sinning. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, when you get to a point where you can't afford it. Maybe that's what our world needs right now. Maybe they need to go back to those times, but yet, thank the Lord, 
uh, let me let me scratch that. I just kind of said that tongue in cheek, but we have a more perfect plan now. A more perfect plan. Jesus paid the price. Jesus shed his own blood for us. It is a perfect plan. Uh, really, all the animal sacrificing, all it did was just kind of, well, the Bible says it, it rolled our sins ahead. The people that sinned in the Old Testament when they did an animal sacrifice, um, it just rolled their sins ahead until Jesus went to the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross, not only did he forgive, or it was mercy and grace of that day, but it was mercy and grace for the future of those that asked for repentance, forgiveness, repent and ask for forgiveness. But it also forgave the sins that were under the blood of the animal sacrificing of the Old Testament. So it covered a broad area when Jesus died on the cross. So we're thankful that we live in the day that we live in, but yet it, it's, it's a day that the Lord paid the price for us. And we don't need to take that lightly by any means. And I don't feel like we do. I feel like we, we take it very seriously. And we need to continue to take it seriously in the Lord. Um, but when we look at this, I, I'm very thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost. Um, when we read the scriptures here, chapter 91, verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. When we, and what it's talking about is entering into that holiest of holies. In other words, entering into the presence of the Lord and living there, desiring that place in God's spirit. When you get to that point, that is really a type and a shadow from the Old Testament of receiving the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. When we go to that holiest of holies, we're actually entering into the presence of God. In the presence of God, is the, that's probably the most holy place that we can experience on this earth. It is. And it's in the presence of the Almighty, the, the holy God. I don't know of anything that is more holy than entering into that place of his presence. When we feel the glory of God, that is a holy place. In the house of God, in your home, in your car, wherever it is, in the presence of the Lord. But he that dwelleth there, that builds your house, builds your life there in that secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. But the power of the Holy Ghost, when we live in that place where we, got, we have the Spirit of God moving and working within our lives, it gives us the strength to overcome sin. It gives us the strength to overcome the flesh. And there is a powerful, powerful experience in the power of the Holy Ghost. Not is it just joy that you feel inside, happiness that you feel inside, peace that you feel inside, resting assured, I mean, God's got this. Even in this time that we're living in, uh, through the power of the Holy Ghost, we can be a light to a dark world. And God has intended that to be for us as children of the Lord. 
There is power in his spirit. The Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, but ye shall receive power, power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. It's not something that you can contain on the inside. You've got to let it out. You've got to share it with somebody. It's an exciting time through the power of the Holy Ghost. It's just hard to find the words to describe how great and glorious that it really is, the power of God's Spirit. But when you when you've experienced that and you dwell in the presence of the Lord, you're going to find yourself protected under the protection of the Lord. And in verse 2 says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. He is my refuge and my fortress. Now, a refuge, a refuge is a shelter from a storm, but it also is a refuge from danger. And it is also a place of hope, a place of refuge. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. So when we live in that place of God's spirit, we find that the Lord is our protector from the storms, from danger, and he is our hope. It also says he is my, my fortress. Fortress here means stronghold. He is my stronghold. Now there are strongholds in life of, of, of sin and flesh, things that hold us back from God that uh, sometimes people can't break on their own, but it takes the power of God to break the strongholds in their lives, the habits, the things that are holding them back from really getting true deliverance. But when we take it and turn it around and call it a stronghold in God, the Lord is our fortress. He is our stronghold. He is our fort. He is our protector. He is our covering. He is a stronghold against the enemy. Now, when we look at these scriptures, uh, to make it, it what, what the psalmist is saying here, he's trying to make it his own personal faith. A lot of times people say, okay, I... You know, I, uh, I serve the God that someone else served. I serve the God that my grandfather served, my grandmother served. I serve the God that my parents served. I serve the God that my friends have served or whatever. But it's a different thing when we serve the God that is my God. My God. The God that is my refuge. He's your refuge. But when you have a relationship with God to the point where it becomes personal, he's my refuge. And that's what the psalmist was saying. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He made it personal. We can't live off the salvation of somebody else. We can't live off of the faith of somebody else, although that is encouraging and it's a help. And, and, 
and gives us a little bit more faith when someone else is standing by faith and, and we could couple with our faith with them, thank the Lord for that. But we need a personal relationship with God. We need a personal faith. We need a personal experience. You know, when I, when I think about uh, as far as the church is concerned and uh, as far as pastor is concerned, um, I, I know that we have children in the church and they're watching us and they're watching how we live and they're watching the decisions that we make and they're watching, believe it or not, they're watching how we pray if we pray they're watching how we read the word and put the word in our hearts if we read the word they're watching that they see if we do they see if we don't they will actually pattern their lives after the things that we do um, they watch how we worship they watch how we're consistent or committed and faithful to the house of God they watch those things but here's the thing about it. Yes, they're watching the examples and we're teaching them by words and teaching, but we're also teaching them by actions. We're teaching them because they're watching by example. I remember many times my, uh, my dad, my mom uh, taught me things that I, they might not, a lot of times, I mean, they did a lot of talking about things that I needed to do. They instructed me and they told me what I need to do and what I don't need to do. And I am thankful for that. I didn't understand at the time. I thought, well, it's too much information. But when I think about it now, I'm glad that they gave me information they did and that they made decisions to protect me from some things. And they made decisions to allow me to be able to learn from my experiences too. But yet, uh, there was a lot of times that my parents taught me things that they didn't even speak but their actions spoke volumes to me volumes to me but what I'm saying here today is our children need a personal experience for themselves they need to know what it's like to speak in tongues that's part of salvation they need to know what it's like to pray and God speak to them because God does speak to us. You might not think God speaks to you, but he does speak to us at times. And the more you dwell in the secret place of the Lord, the more you're going to understand when he's speaking and when he's not speaking. And when it's us and when it's him. Our children need to know what it's like for God to speak to them. Our children need to know what it's like to be able to get caught away in the power of the Holy Ghost and get drunk in the Holy Ghost. Drunk in the Spirit. That happened on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts chapter 2. The Bible says that they actually thought that they were drunk. The 120 that were in the upper room when the outpouring of the Holy Ghost came upon them and they began to receive the Holy Ghost and speak in another tongue, they got caught away in the power of God's Spirit to the point where they actually thought they were drunk. But that's the reason why Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost when he began to preach the message. He said, these, these are not drunken as ye suppose. This is only the third hour of the day. This is not the normal time that people would be drinking alcohol and getting drunk. This is, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons 
Your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will see visions and dream dreams. I mean, the word is, it, it just brings it to light. And, and what's really interesting about the book of Acts is it ties in the generational gaps there too. It talks about your young men and your young women, your, your children, and then it talks about the old men. It talks about the, the, the role of each one of us in this experience of the power of the Holy Ghost. But there needs to be a personal experience. Our children need to know what it's like to shout and dance before the Lord. They need to know what it's like to leap for joy. They need to know what it's like to pray until fire come down, comes down from heaven. They need to know what it's like to pick up the word of God and begin to read the word of God and know what the power of the word is speaking to them at that point. I remember at the age of 14 years old picking up the word of God and reading the scriptures and putting it in my heart and guess what, the next day, this was so often irrelevant to me at the time, I would read scripture, I'd read a chapter or maybe two chapters of the word of God or maybe more than that and the next day I would have an event or a situation come up that the word is exactly what I needed for that day for that experience that I was going through have you experienced that I know you have I know you have and then I would read the word again and then the same thing would happen maybe a few days later something would happen and then all of a sudden the word would come back to me that I needed that word for that event that situation our children need to know a personal relationship with God not just to live a life that that's what mom and dad did, that's the God that, that mom and dad serve. No, they need to get to the point that the psalmist was saying, I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge, my refuge. He is my fortress. A relationship to the point where we have a God that is ours, that is mine, it is, uh, it is but poor comfort to say that the Lord is a refuge. We know it, he, that he is a refuge. But it's a whole lot different when we begin to say he is my refuge. He's mine. He is in me. He's moving in my life. He's covering me. He's helping me through my situations my needs amen it's a personal connection it's a personal value that we put on God that he is mine I can't live by someone else's salvation I can't live by someone else's experience I can't live by someone else's prayer life I thank the Lord for it because I know people pray for me and people pray for you and we need that we need those times of prayer, but we need to be able to get down and dig it out for ourselves. Can I hear an amen? Sometimes we just got to get down on our knees and just dig it out for ourselves, not depend on someone else. When we walk into the house of the Lord, I can't depend on someone else's prayer life and experience and their zeal and their desire 
for me to just live by the splash over that comes in the midst of the house of God because it does happen. People begin to worship and pray and begin to move in the spirit and the power of God's moving within their lives because it's in them. And they begin to feel after the power of God. And yes, we feel a splash over in the house of God and it begins to bless others. Thank God for that. But I've got to be able to get that experience for myself Amen. I got to get it for myself. I got to get my own experience so that I can say, He is my refuge, my fortress, my strength, my salvation, my redeemer, my, my counselor, my, my peace, my joy, my strength, my God. Amen. But what we say, we must, we must prove our actions. We must prove our actions. When we say that he is my refuge, my fortress, we must, when we come into those times of struggle, we need to do just like the, like the animal kingdom does that God created. We must fly to the Lord for shelter and not into the arms of flesh, not into our own understanding. What happens when you walk out into uh, a field or maybe into the woods? Um, there are birds and animals in the woods. And when you walk in and you stir up some birds, I've walked into my deer stand one time and it was pitch dark. And I always walked in at dark. I want to get in my deer stand before, like an hour before dark or before daylight uh, because I want to get in there, get situated, and fall asleep <laughs> actually I would just lay back and just kind of listen close my eyes and just listen and it was so amazing and I, I know I've mentioned this before but I've, it was almost like at some, one point in the morning it's like someone just turns the light switch on and all of a sudden it was all quiet and all everything was just just quiet as could be and all of a sudden it's like God walks out there and just flips the switch on and the birds start chirping and the squirrels start moving and then the, uh, you know, uh, the bugs start flying and whatever. I mean, it's like everything just kind of comes to life. But when you walk up on, I've been in my deer stand, you know, I've walked in in the dark and uh, I had about 10 turkeys around my deer stand and when they took off, I thought that the... Uh, uh, the helicopters were uh, sitting there taking off. It sounded like the whole woods were just like one big helicopter flying out of the place. And all I could do was just stand there and hope they didn't take me away with them as they were flying away. But what happens when you walk into an area where birds are? You know what they do? This is the way God has created them. They fly to a tree somewhere or to a branch somewhere for protection or a bush where you can't get to them they fly to their refuge and that's what really what God is wanting us to do when we say that the Lord is our refuge and our fortress what we need to do is when troubles come we need to fly to him we need to find ourselves 
in a place of prayer talking to him, God help me through this. I need my refuge. I don't need somebody else's refuge. I need my refuge. I need my fortress. I want to go to him. I don't want to lean upon the arms of flesh. Flesh is not going to, it might help me to a certain extent, but it's not going to help me in the need that I have in my life and really work the situation out. It's not going to work it out. I've got to go to the arms of the Lord. I've got to fly to the refuge of the Lord and find shelter and protection. The birds fly away to the thickets. The foxes, they run to the holes. That's their refuge. Every creature uses its refuge in the hour of danger. And what we as children of God, instead of trying to run to flesh and trying to run and trying to figure it out on our own, we need to go to my refuge, my fortress. And that's what the psalmist was saying. I have a personal relationship with my refuge and I have a personal relationship with my fortress because I have dwelt I've built my life in that place where God's spirit is. And I've been there. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've felt it. I've touched the presence of God. Amen. There's no, there's no moat. There's no castle. There's no fort that can protect you from some things that are in life. There's troubles that come. Depressions come. Struggles come. Darkness tries to come. Evil tries to come. Uh, uh, and, and no no. No embattlement, no wall, no obstacle, no moat is going to stop the enemy from trying to destroy us, trying to attack us. So what we need is more than a, a fleshly built thing, house, shelter. We need the presence of God. We need the Spirit of God to come over us because there's spirits in this world that are wanting to destroy you. They're wanting to hurt you. They're wanting to confuse you. They're wanting to make you think that you're worthless. They're wanting to put some things in your heart and your life that's going to mess you up. But when you go to my refuge, when you have a relationship with God to the point where you could go to your refuge, your fortress, you're going to find God covering you. All through this chapter of 91 of the book of Psalms, the psalmist knew that if I just dwell in the secret place of the Most High God, I'm going to find the strength that I need in, in the times of my weakness. I'm going to find the help that I need in the times where I can't find help on my own. I've tried to figure it out on my own. I need to go to God. I need to go to God. Some things, bombs and tanks can't help but the spirit of God can destroy every enemy and the weapons and intent of the demons of hell that are trying to destroy us that covering of the spirit of God and oh what a beautiful place it is in the secret place of the most high God another thought is behold this day the Lord is to us instead of walls Walls cannot always keep out the pestilence, but the Lord can. God can protect us. He can keep us. He can help us. Amen. My God, in him will I trust. Now, when you say my God, you know, you think about, I mean, I don't know how many people are in the world. How many people are in the United States of America? Does anybody know? 300 332 million, okay? 
I've been reading numbers in every state for the last day. I should know it, but I don't. <laughs> 332 million in the, in the country of America uh, and, and consider it all around the world. And when you think that, okay, if I say he's my refuge and my fortress, is that going to put somebody else out? No, absolutely not. Because God is there and he is he is able to be there for every one of us he knows our name he knows our feelings he knows our struggles he knows our battles he knows what we're going through and even though I have a part of that he is my refuge and he's my fortress that does not water him down for you or for someone else it doesn't water him down because God is God. He is all-powerful. He can, he can be there for me. He can be there for you at the very same time in your need, and he can be dealing with my need and your need in a separate way because that's God. When we look into the Bible, the, we can look at different uh, ones that have said this very thing. Jacob said at Bethel that he had been made to feel his deep need of God and hence he vows that if God would bring him back in peace then God shall be my God Jacob said that and this was a very deep longing of his soul that he was saying God if you'll deliver me if you'll help me bring me back in peace then God shall be my God it was Miriam in Israel, the Red Sea, that sang, He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation. They had just crossed the Red Sea, and they were singing, rejoicing in victory. He is my God. That doesn't make him weak for me. He's just as strong for me as he is for you. And for the 332 million people in the United States of America and beyond, he is all-powerful. Amen. And they began to cry out to the Lord when they crossed over and sang to the Lord, He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation. Amen. There's a lot of people in the Bible that's, that proclaim, He is my God. But this doesn't mean I have a monopoly on God, that I'm the only one that can feel him. No, we all can feel him. We all can experience him. If the Lord would fill me with the Holy Ghost, he could fill you with the Holy Ghost. If he could fill us with the Holy Ghost, he could fill someone outside of the walls of this church with the Holy Ghost. And then they could say that he's my God. We don't have a monopoly on this thing. We're, we're a church. Yes, we are. And we come, we worship God. But we don't have a monopoly on God. Uh, God is everywhere. And anybody that cries out to him and truly from their heart repents and asks for forgiveness for the Lord, he will forgive them and he will be there for them. And if they will receive salvation in their life, God will cover them. And if they will choose to live and dwell in the secret place of the Most High God, he will be there as a covering and protection upon them. Anybody that chooses to be obedient to the word of God Verse 3, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. We are, a lot of times we are, we are foolish and weak as humans, as poor little birds. A lot of times the Bible 
uses that illustration of the birds for us. Sometimes we're like little birds, poor little birds, very apt to be lured into a, our destruction. But the Bible says that surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. The fowler is the bait layer. The fowler is the one that's setting up the traps. The snare is the trap. And it also goes on and says that he will be, uh, he will help us in the times of noisome pestilence. It says here, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Noisome is desire or destruction. Pestilence is a plague. We're living in those hours right now, but we do serve a God that he is my God. He is my Savior. He is my Deliverer. He is my help in time of need. Amen. He is my uh, 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 protector from the fowler, the bait layer. He is my protector from the, from the snare or the trap and from the noisome destruction or even the desire of destruction and the plague. He's there to protect us. It's often frequently used of the psalmist to compare the soul of man to a bird. And we find this in the book of Psalms 11, 1 through 7. There's other scriptures in the Bible, but it says here in Psalms 11, 1 through 7, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, In the Lord will I put my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow, they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privately shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple, the Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his so hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. The Lord loves us. The Lord will protect us. And sometimes he tries us. Sometimes he allows certain things to come our way. But if you let the enemy come along, that's when he draws the line. He's my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my protector. He's my guide. It's kind of like uh, uh, moms and their children. You know, they could mess around with the children and aggravate them, do all kinds of stuff. But hey, if someone else steps in and starts aggravating them, you better get away. They're going to stand up and protect them. You see, a lot of times, as in the example of, of the Bible using the word, you know, the bird as a as a uh, little illustration of what we are. When we understand that, we we sometimes are susceptible to to the snares of the fowler or the one that's baiting the trap. Sometimes the baiting it becomes very attractive. Matter of fact in people's lives uh, the the baiting sometimes really throws us a curve if we're not careful how the devil lured Saul think about this 
Saul was eventually became a great apostle. But Saul, when he, before he became a great apostle, before he came to a point of giving his life to the Lord through salvation, the devil lured him to persecute the church. And he baited him. And he persuaded him that he was doing a good service for God. That's what he does. He tries to bait us into the snare and he tries to destroy us. But God is there. When we keep ourselves in, the, in that secret place of the Lord and live in his presence, God is going to protect us from those, the, the baiting and the temptations if we allow him to. Just as a bird, we don't want to fly to the, to the trap for protection, thinking that's our refuge. What we need to understand is where the Lord is. If we stay in the secret place of the Lord, under the shadow of his wing, that means we're staying close to him. And if we stay close to him, then we know exactly where he's at around us. We can run to him. How do you run to him? You run to him through the word of God. If you get in a time where you need help, you go to the word of God and God's going to give you a word that's going to be a help for you the next day or that hour or the next week or the next month. Go to the word of God. And when you're in trouble, go to an altar of prayer and pray to God because God will give you a new outlook on things where the devil's got you all messed up in your thinking and your mind and you've got fear just beating you up fear is just pounding on you and you're trying to make decisions based on fear if you just go to an altar of prayer and go to the word of God and cry out to God and go to a time of worship before the Lord and his spirit begins to move uh, uh, through you again and it begins to stir up within you I tell you what happens the power of the Holy Ghost will give you a strength to get a new perspective on life you, you'll get up out of that altar and you're going to feel a touch from the Lord that, that is a peace where before you were just frazzled and you were struggling and you were, you were all over the place you were all over the map you were ready to make all kinds of crazy decisions to try to fix this thing because we're fix it people but when you take it to God and you get up out of that altar and all of a sudden there's just a peace God's got this I'm under the wing of the mighty God I'm in his shadow he's my refuge He's my fortress. Sometimes Christians uh, are, are often led to mingle in strange places, to associate with uh, people that are not considering Christ in his way. Sometimes we might even allow ourselves to get into environments that are going to hurt us. We don't need to go to those places and let that be our refuge. We need to go to the presence of God. If you really get a touch from God in the secret place of the Lord, trust me, you won't want any other place. Many of us have been there. We've been there. But once you taste of the glory of God and you allow yourself to live in the secret place of the Lord and you've been into the holiest of holies and you know what the, the presence of God tastes like, smells like, feels like, looks like. I mean, you know everything about it in detail because you've been there and you've lived there in that place. Trust me, there's no greater 
there's no greater thing than the presence of the almighty God sometimes the devil uses decoys you know a duck hunter puts decoys out they're fake ducks decoys I've got a customer that he's become a real good friend he's a he, he's quite a character he's been a duck hunter for years and every time I go over to work on his his unit and we do cleaning every year he's got a boiler system and he's got to give me the stories the updates on everything and it's interesting I enjoy going over and talking to him Matter of fact, in his garage, he's got decoys that's lining every shelf in there. And I'm talking about decoys that go back to the 40s and 50s. Some of them are carved out of wood. Some of them are the plastic type. He's got weights that weigh them down. You know, they will stay in one spot. You know, he's got, he's got everything you can think of. He's got different types. He's, you know, for every duck, every uh, goose, Every geese, <laughs> he's got he's got all kinds of decoys. It's just amazing, and he's got some very expensive decoys there too. Matter of fact, uh, he he wanted to help me out. He said, uh, "You need some weights. I'm getting ready to pour some weights." And I, I'm I'm thinking, okay, he I, he showed me these big old weights. I don't know what I would ever do with them. Put them in front of the door and hold the door back so it won't swing shut or something. But he was, he was so happy, he wanted to pour me some weight. So I said, okay, I tell you what, you pour me some half, half ounce or, or eighth ounce, and I'll, I'll be happy to take those. I could probably use those. So uh, next time I came back, he had a whole jar full of those. And, of course, he wrote on the top of it, poison, because it's lead. Poison. So I got that in my shelf. And I went back this year, and he had, he had another jar ready I don't know what I'm going to do with all these weights. I got another jar of weights that he gave to me, but he was so happy to do that for me. And I was so thankful, really. I was so thankful because he's just a great guy, and uh, he just loves to do things for people. But decoys, the devil tries to put decoys. I'm not calling him a devil, Raymond. I'm not calling duck hunters, Raymond. I'm not calling you a demon here. But, you know, you you you, you uh, try to... You try to deceive the ducks to come in. That's part of sport. That's part of sport. And um, that's like deer hunters put a decoy of a deer out in front uh, of the deer stand, you know. So, but the devil does that for us a lot of times. He tries to put decoys of fake things out there. And he tries to get us to follow those things instead of the true, genuine presence of God. There's a lot of things in this world that is a that is a um, uh, fake of what God has, and I'm going to I'm going to go through these, some of these things because I know the Bible says that on the day of Pentecost they were they thought they were drunk. When you really get caught away in the Holy Ghost, you I, I don't know if you've ever seen people drunk before, where you actually had to drive them home to church, from church. Because they were so caught away in the power of the Holy Ghost. So much glory, so much power there. And what a beautiful experience. But the devil likes to let uh, alcohol be the substitute. It has nothing compared to the power of the Holy Ghost. 
being drunk in the spirit once you ever experience that you won't be satisfied with anything else drugs drugs a lot, a lot of times they put you on a high people are trying to forget about their problems and drugs get them to that high where they you know they might feel good for a period of time but the problem is when you come crashing down the next day and that hurt and pain is still there and it's ten times worse probably at that point but in God there is a high in the Holy Ghost that you just can't imagine you don't come down off of that high you walk in that high you walk in the spirit there is a powerful experience in God through the power of the Holy Ghost and what the Lord was saying here is that he that dwelleth in that secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty we're living in troubling times but we got protection here I will save the Lord he is my refuge and my fortress my God and him will I trust surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence he shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust his truth shall be thy shield and buckler thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night nor the arrow that flieth by day nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday a thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand but it shall not come nigh thee only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked we will see it with our eye because thou hast made the Lord which is my refuge even the most high thy habitation there shall no evil befall thee neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling for he shall give his angels charge over thee I'm going to read that again for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways do you realize you have angels that are in charge that the Lord has put in charge over you to protect you and to cover you and your children angels ministering angels <laughs> to keep thee in all thy ways they shall bear thee up in their hands lest thou dash thy foot against a stone they shall bear thee up in their hands the angels lest thou dash thy foot against a stone thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet because he hath set his love upon me therefore will I deliver him I will set him on high because he hath known my name he shall call upon me and I will answer him I will be with him in trouble I will deliver him and honor him with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation I'm talking about people that dwell in the secret place of the most high God in his presence there's powerful experience in his spirit I don't know how else I could ever explain it 
how glorious that it really is other than just tell you my experiences but you got to do it you got to experience it for yourself to really get the understanding of what how beautiful and how precious that it really is it's a powerful experience power of God's spirit in our lives amen what a beautiful joy that it is I've been bitten by the Lord I'm not saying God goes around biting us but I've been bitten by his spirit <laughs> he's got a hold of me the Bible says like the prophet said it's like fire shut up in my bones it's a powerful experience and the only way you'll ever know it is if you experience it for yourself that's the only way it's a powerful, powerful experience. But it's not just a one-time thing. It's something you can experience it over and over and over and over again. Every time you come to the house of God, every time you get in an altar of prayer, every time you um, lift your hands and your heart to the Lord and worship Him, it's a place in God that is so precious. God has you covered with angels. He's got you covered with His presence. Amen. I'd like for us to stand. And how many times here at Landmark we have worshipped God, we have prayed, we have sought the Lord, and, and his presence just kind of fills the place. And there's a refreshing. We walk in, maybe down and out, but when we walk out the doors, after being in the presence of the Most High God, we walk out and we feel a refreshing. We feel like we can conquer this. We feel like that we can overcome this. We can find victory in this. Amen. I'd like for us to enter into that place right now. Let's just give thanks and praise unto the Lord, if you would. Let's do that together. Lord Jesus, we thank you.